Hello, hello, and welcome to My Tennis Journey. As you're listening today, it would be amazing if you could hit subscribe or follow if you haven't already had a chance. Now, when the Polish teenager Igor Swiatek won the French Open, the headlines that followed talked about how Igor's sports psychologist, Dara Abramovich, was a massive factor in her victory. When I go to tournament as a parent to watch junior matches, I come away convinced that players and parents could benefit from the help of a sports psychologist. The mental side of the game is just huge for everyone involved in it. Yet I don't know many juniors or amateurs or parents who have worked with a sports psychologist. Today, we're going to look at what a sports psychologist can bring to the party and why we as players and parents should maybe invite them into the party a bit more often. Our guest is very much respected in this field, as well as a level three tennis coach. And if you read the testimonials on her website, you'll see she's made a massive difference to players in just the same way that Dara has to Eager. Welcome to the show, Julie Blackwood. Thanks, Robin. Yeah, thanks for, for having me on. Hey, it's an absolute pleasure. Now, it'd be great to start with your own tennis journey, Julie. When did you start playing and, and did you play a lot as a junior? Yeah, so I think my sort of tennis journey started off in the same way as, as many others, sort of age five, down the local club, you know, Saturday morning, group coaching sessions um, at Dunblane Sports Club. So that was my intro into it. Um, yeah, my mum sort of used to take me and my brother down to, to play uh, during sort of school summer holidays, if you like. Um, and then, yeah, start to be able to beat my older brother and his friends and all the boys. So I, I quite like that. Um, and and yeah, I got, got kind of hooked from there, maybe played my first tournament age nine, sort of played for North of Scotland County from under 10s and kind of all through the junior pathway. So, so yeah, that was kind of my, my journey into it. Um, and, and yeah, maybe played county, regional, national tournaments and then decided that I wanted to continue playing tennis at university and, and, and while I was studying. So that was certainly part of my, my decision of where I wanted to, to go and study at, at university and, and, and chose Loughborough um, Uni because of that. You know, I love this. So Dunblane, my wife's aunt and uncle live about a three minute walk from the Dunblane Tennis Club. So yeah. last time we were up, uh, up visiting, it seems a long while ago now, but we went along to the club, you know, obviously it's related to all the... the, the the Murray uh, family and we thought we'll just go and see what it's like you know as visitors to the club and what I loved about it Julie was there was an honesty box where you could just put your couple of quid in and you could just go and play tennis and there was a few things that stuck out just that fact that it was so welcoming that you know anyone could turn up you could put your money in the box and away you go go and play it was a great facility but it's, you know, it's it's a tennis club like there's tennis clubs all around the country. It's not, you know, it's not got indoor courts. I'm guessing, Julie, you've played in all sorts of weather on those courts. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, uh, yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of outdoor stuff. Obviously, we had Sterling University, the indoor courts that, um, yeah, which are a lot closer than than many other Scottish players uh, got to be to indoor courts. But, but yeah, absolutely, um, lots of playing in all, all sorts of conditions and and yeah you're right it's, it's it's a really nice club but at the same time you're right that w without sort of downgrading it, there's, there's nothing particularly special about it it's four outdoor astro courts um yeah they've recently put in a couple of mini courts down the the, the side um but but yeah it's it's modest so yeah i love the little mini red courts because it was like a, it's like a little mini red arena isn't it it's like they've put them in and, and like our ned when he was five or six when we were probably there and you just feel like you're going on a sense of occasion because they have got those mini reds are oh, but what a place to grow up playing tennis um so you, you you kind of you know you you've gone through it and um uh, obviously you've come on to to work in sports psychology uh helping young performers learn how to cope with the demands of the game how did you cope as a junior in in these tournaments in these situations yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. And I think it's, um, yeah, definitely kind of part of where that hook came from is definitely the, the playing side and the, and the psychology of that. Um, so for me, probably as a, as a junior, I was, so I was quite like a tricky lefty, if you like. So, so uh, yeah, and, and you can probably credit Judy, but my, who I worked with for a period of time for the, the slice, the volleys, the lefty serve and so forth. So probably was a player that, um, 
frustrated maybe you know a sort of big clean hitter and as well yeah playing in the wind was definitely an advantage with my my sort of background but would say I was quite kind of internal like you never really knew whether I was winning or losing but but maybe yeah inside probably quite kind of high standards and and maybe a bit kind of self-critical as well I definitely feel like at times I would have fallen into that trap of trying to control winning more than I than I could um so, so maybe playing a little bit safer a little bit more conservative when I was the, the favorite player I definitely would um relate to that and I think that that's something that yeah we, we see a lot of not not to say that everyone is the the same by any means and um yeah people experience the, the game in different ways but but certainly that was was something and probably we were quite a small pool of of girls in Scotland so there was a little bit of that ego protective bit of uh, not wanting to, to lose to certain players perhaps um but, but yeah those were, would be some of the things that I resonate with but but as well would say uh, because I was quite kind of quite steady uh, quite even keel then then that was good and yeah definitely kind of good fighting spirit kind of st- stuck in um so, so yeah quite good I from that perspective but but then yeah while I was yeah really fortunate to have some great coaching experiences definitely felt like there wasn't all that much kind of explicit help and support with the the psychological side of the game um it certainly wasn't kind of integral to to that pathway it wasn't something I had a huge amount of, of support with and and definitely that was something starting to study psychology I was like hmm this stuff's interesting and actually yeah it didn't didn't feature hugely I'd probably done my level one and two coaching by that stage I was I was sort of starting my undergraduate um and and yeah hadn't been something that had featured a lot and actually I was thinking this stuff would be useful to know understand have a bit more of an awareness of coming coming through as a junior yeah so useful I mean it was uh I had a conversation actually with the chair of Derbyshire Tennis a little while ago and he said I don't know if you realize but when you were about 12 I came up and I played the uh the Cumbria Open or something like that when when I was based up in Cumbria it was like I watched you play one match. You were very emotional in that match. I think I was the opposite to your good self. You know, I kind of like, my emotions were just flying here, there and everywhere, like volleys and forehands and backhands. And it's interesting. I don't think, you know, I don't remember being adv- advised. I, I remember being, you know, embarrassed by the way I behaved coming off the court, but I don't think I was really advised on how to put it right and things. And and so, you know, was it, was it, so it was at Loughborough that you thought this is the opportunity. Was that when you thought this is this is what I want to do? Yeah, absolutely. So, so my my undergraduate, my first degree was uh, geography and sports science. So I had no idea I was interested in psychology. In fact, I didn't even pick the psychology module in sports science in first year. Um, so it was really just um, doing that as part of a sports science degree that I kind of got that hook. It wasn't something that we could study at, at school. It wasn't kind of an option. Um, but then, yeah, playing on the team at Loughborough, I was kind of started to use myself as a bit of a guinea pig. And um, yeah, just as I say, as well, maybe going through some of the doing some coaching, it's something that I could see maybe that was having a big influence on, on the outcomes of matches, some of the, the things like you said in the intro. Um, but, but yeah, it wasn't this, this kind of hugely integral part of, of um, yeah, what, what and how people kind of learned the, the game and that, that yeah really was the kind of hook point in and, and from there went on so at the time the kind of pathway to train up as a as a sports psychologist because I hadn't started with an undergraduate in psychology I did a master's in psychology so kind of converting to that pure pure psychology and then a master's in sport and exercise psychology to specialize and then you do a couple of years kind of chartership where you're kind of working on the job so I did that under Dr uh, sorry professor now uh, Chris Harwood at, at Loughborough University um, and that was kind of yeah kick-starting the career from there. Brilliant I've got to make another reference to my wife here she also went to Loughborough she did um, like sports science and Chris Harwood was uh, a professor Chris Harwood was Becky's lecture and I love the fact that Becky did a dissertation on the bounce of tennis ball or something. It was like, hey, when you drop a tennis ball, how high does it bounce and things like that? So, oh, come on, come on. So, I mean, to strip it right back. So, you know, I guess we've got a lot of listeners who are, are players, the parents, the coaches. What would you say to them are the benefits of sports psychology? Yeah, I think for, for me, I mean, we are psychological beings um, and what, what goes on between our ears can 
yeah, have a really big impact on, um, yeah, how, how well we, we play, I suppose. I think that, you know, really psychology is all about knowing and understanding yourself and, and, and your tendencies, what makes you tick, what stresses you out, what pushes your buttons. Um, and, and yeah, I guess at, at the face of it, yeah, it's about understanding and, and then being able to influence behavior. Um, and again, we know, of course, like how we think and feel is going to affect our tactical decision making, you know, the, the choices that, that we make, it's going to affect, um, you know, our physical, physiological state is going to affect how, how we move. Um, so if we're, we're more nervous, you know, how, how we, we get behind the ball, if you like. Um, so so it, for, for me, it's such a kind of integral part because um, we know that, yeah, how, how we think and feel is, is driving some of those, those other aspects. So I think it, yeah, we're probably doing players a, a disservice if it's something that we're not kind of actively, yeah, proactively working on. And I think it's often been seen as like a, a kind of add-on thing um, or kind of a bolt-on that this is something extra that, that you might do rather than a kind of everyday in, in and around the environment thing that you can work on and, and work on with, with a coach as well. Um, I, I definitely think, yeah, there's, there's some, some barriers to it for sure. And, and, and particularly maybe, again, one tendency that we notice is actually still and, and maybe in the past it was seen as actually I only go and work with the sports site if that you know there's a, a problem thing that has to be kind of a, a problem thing it's kind of reactive to the fact that I'm not maybe transferring my level from the practice court to the match court or there's kind of a shot breakdown or nerves frustrations things getting in the way rather than actually what what's going well how, how do I want to be and how can I get more of that more of the time um, and, and be more proactive about that so so I suppose that's come sometimes yeah the the shift and, and as I say it doesn't have to necessarily be a sports psychologist working with a with a player um, I think it can also be sports I, I love to see more sports that can working with with coaches as well to to help their players I think it's something that isn't yeah hugely featured on the the qualifications and, and yeah. something that I'm, I'm working with Joe Ward and the, the team at the, the LTA uh, around the, the coaching qualifications and how we help and support coaches with upskilling them in this this area right yeah. from the start of the coaching journey because as you highlighted it's it's complicated um you know our brains are, are fascinating um but but yeah there's still I guess a lot that we we don't know so yeah how do we understand ourselves I think is the the main point that I'd come back to there yeah, and I think kind of like how you feel, how you're thinking, your state. I mean, I know in anything, you know, I know that how I feel, I'm more likely to perform better on the sports court, but anywhere, you know, in, in, in previous corporate roles, when I'm outside working on DIY stuff, you know, if I feel good, I'm going to hopefully be a bit better. And yet... Yeah, it isn't something that that is is part of an ongoing program. And I, I guess the point as well, you know, like I used to get some real bad kind of shoulder pains and, and I figured out in the end that it was because I was working on trains a lot, really huddled up, hunched up, and I was working going up and down to London. And uh, and actually it was the reaction to that was actually stretching, doing yoga, yoga type stretching made it better. But I haven't stopped doing that because of the fact that the pain's gone away now, but I still do that because it, it helps keep me that way. And yet sports psychology isn't, isn't an ongoing part of programs that I've seen. I'm sure it is, you know, at a more elite level for performance and juniors, but it can help everybody. So, you know, if, if we are working with players um, and we think, you know, that it's going to benefit benefit them what's the best program what's what's utopia look to you like julie when somebody comes to you and says yeah i realize that that this can help what what program do you put in place yeah it's, it's a it's a really good question i don't think there is a kind of one one size fits all answer it's it can be quite kind of individual depending on yeah what that that player is doing i'd kind of love to to see more of that um yeah how can we maybe a site work with a, a coach or how can a coach perhaps create more time and space around a session that there's certain barriers aren't there you know that kind of paid per hour 
um, thing that coaches often have in, in tennis where, you know, that's, that's your court time. That's, you know, what, one hour on the court and yes. you know, that what good coaching looks like hitting a lot of balls, perhaps in that time, but how do we maybe build some time around those sessions? You know, is there half an hour that we spend off court to kind of review last week's tournament or kind of set goals for, yeah, what, what you kind of want to go, go forward with in, in this tournament that, or, or kind of discuss those elements that, um, yeah, you've, you've maybe, highlighted like you're saying that they can maybe do with some support on and try and help them with with that side of things so I think often it can be yeah kind of coaches engaging with with sites as well and that that for me is kind of one of the reasons I trained up as a, an LTA coach mentor last year to work kind of more in tandem with with coach, coaches and yeah help them develop their, their skill set so, so that's for me that the first thing about whether it's working directly with a, a player and it, it can be and I think that that is a a, a good approach often it's yeah kind of that that group of sessions maybe helping them one understand that the demands of the game and what what tennis is asking of us from a mental perspective because it asks a lot yeah. um and then actually yeah what okay if i, if I understand myself my, my tendencies under pressure etc what strategies and things might i put in place to help me out in those situations what are those kind of go-to things that help me to to manage those better um as well so so yeah, that can be the individual, of course, that, that can be part of a, a group. It can be the psych, psych working with, with the coach. It can be the, the, the coach working with the, the player, psych working with the player. So, so there's all sorts of different ways about that um, as this, well. This, this is a, you know, like um, a slightly selfish point of view here. So, you know, I work with the Derbyshire Tennis Association. I'm on their committee and I, uh, I, I manage a couple of our, uh, our younger county teams. Uh, under nines, under tens coming up. You know, with the advent of Zoom, and Zoom's gone big, hasn't it, during lockdown, and it's something that so many people are familiar with now. Would it be possible for us to introduce, you know, for our county squads, something where you're presenting into the county squads? Does it have to be specific to the, the child, or are there general themes that could help a group of 20, 30 children who are dialing in with parental consent, et cetera, and being, being taught about the kind of coping strategies and the like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There can be, yeah, group things. And like, like you've highlighted, there, there are often themes, you know, as we said, people are, people are different. Some we know are kind of more tapped into the, the threat of a situation. There's a little bit more the, the challenge of a situation. So we know that everyone sees the world in slightly different ways, but absolutely there would be, be themes and things that can be, Kind of built in and, and yeah even before the advent of the the pandemic was doing some online kind of consultancy i've done plenty of kind of sessions in lockdown um workshop style things or or q a's and um yeah i work with middlesex tennis as a, a county association and, and yeah we've done some actually even pl parent player sessions because you know and i know that we plan to come on to, to talk about tennis parents and their their role as well but um, I think that that's been really valuable because I think in in-person settings, it's quite challenging, isn't it, to get the player and the parent in, in the same place and, and kind of engaging. Whereas what Zoom offers, I think, is when we've done bits of workshops where we can be talking about a theme, they can be on mute so they can kind of be having their own conversation about, oh, yeah, that that bit relates or what, what do you think of that? And, and kind of, it just encourages that interaction, that communication between the parent and the player. And often it's the same messages or a lot of the same messages that you might want to be sending to, to both of those parties um, as well. So I think that that's actually kind of opened up that, that new avenue that we didn't maybe have so much before um, as well from, from my side of things. And do you find like the, you know, we're talking sports psychology in the specifics, but do you find that it helps the work that you do helps people away from the court? We often talk with people, you know, Keith Reynolds, uh, a guest we had, and he talks about the life lessons of tennis. Do you find that the players you work with, you know, they're stronger from a psychological point of view off the court as well as on it? Yeah, absolutely. There's there's things that that transfer out there, and, and you mentioned some, some examples within your own kind of world of work. But yeah, the, the maybe pressures and things that we might experience elsewhere. That was actually my so one of my master's theses was um, psychosocial skill development through elite youth tennis as as a context, and it was looking at 
what skills um, players develop through the, those contexts, how, how they develop them, and also what was the transfer like? Were they so? So these were kind of players that you know that pretty pretty high level. They were kind of top ten in their age group in in the UK, at either under sixteens, under eighteens, but for whatever reason didn't turn professional. Now whether that's they didn't want to, or um, they were injured, or, or not quite good enough to make that transition, whatever that was, that they were now working in different life contexts. Some of them were coaching, some of them were students, others um, in, in more corporate roles. And it was kind of asking them, yeah, yeah does that bit have a relevance? What, what do you think were maybe some of the positive aspects and, and were there any negatives as well of kind of committing to at, at those kind of young, young ages? And yeah, there was a, a whole host of things that that came out of that, um, including, yeah, things about, you know, regulating emotion. Actually, somebody um, makes a line call that I, I don't agree with and, and how um, I learn over time and experience to, to handle that situation that, you know, a customer comes in and is frustrated um, at, at the service and it's, it's through maybe no fault of my own, but how I regulate my emotions in, in that circumstance. Um, you know, running a coaching business, organizing your tennis bag as a junior and how, you know, now I've got to organize helpers and, um, you know, courts and equipment and, and all these things. So, so yeah, absolutely. There were kind of big, big transfers in, in that sense. Um, so, so, yeah, I, love it. I think it's, it's um... that, that game for life or, or kind of life skill development through the sport. And actually, I feel like it's, I feel like it's a really big USP of tennis and one I don't see sold as much as I think it could be just because of all the things that tennis asks and um, being an individual sport as well. I think it's such a good point, Julie. And, you know, if I think to that young lad that I was full of emotion, reacting to those line calls. And if I think to corporate days when I sit around a table and you've got all sorts of different opinions, all sorts of different stakeholders, all sorts of different things been thrown into a conversation and I know that me as the young child um, would have reacted to a lot of things and come out with an opinion straight away and said I think this and actually with that's not a great thing to be doing you know and in a meeting necessarily and so learning how with time to control my emotions on the tennis court when I'm now around that table and and opinions are going in I was with time I got better at not displaying the emotions and being able to deal, you know, take things on board thinking before reacting, you know, and I'm sure that tennis helped with that. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, a massive thing for, uh, and a really healthy thing for, for parents to keep in mind, isn't it? When they see their child go through what are maybe some of those more negative experiences or like you say, struggling with regulating those emotions on court um, or you know, those experiences that they perceive to be unfair, all those sorts of things where I think it's quite, quite challenging to kind of sit back and not intervene perhaps as a parent, especially when you're maybe getting those glares from, from the core of kind of help me out here, but actually to go, yeah, we, we know that actually just having a bank of different experiences is going to be, be quite helpful for developing those life skills. And, and what I would say is as long as they are sort of debriefed and reflected on and, and understood, um, you know, that it's not an automatic thing that life skills just happen out of tennis. But the more that I guess parents can keep that bigger picture in mind, I think it's quite helpful. And, and you get less kind of drawn into the emotional context of, of what's in front of you in that particular match. Um, it's a really good point. And I mean, you know, I know it's a specific example and a, a specific kind of emotional response. But as a tennis parent, I have been at lots of tournaments where children cry because they've lost um they're incredibly upset but you know we know that it's just a dot on the tennis journey we know in the big you know big scheme of things it's not important but for those children who really do struggle with their emotions and you know there's lots of them out there when, when they are losing how can we how do you think we can help them deal better with the pressures of our game yeah i, I think uh a big one and often a really big kind of start point, uh, like we said, is kind of understanding the, the what tennis is asking of us bit. 
um, because you know things like our brains like to control and predict and, and guess what the tennis has a lot of built-in uncertainty I mean most sport does that's why we we love it right um because we don't know what's going to happen that's why you watch if it was a foregone conclusion probably we wouldn't be so so hooked on sport but so so things like actually yeah it's asking you to cope with some of the uncertainty yeah maybe there are kind of expectations or, or kind of consequences on on the outcome because it's important it, it matters to you so, so it's asking quite a lot and potentially that situation where yeah there, there will be some sort of judgment made so so actually yeah starting to get them to understand the the demands uh, of the sport from a, a mental point of view and then as well for me one of the, the the biggest things is understanding like process and outcome um and, and again this is something that coaches can can really help with of actually whether I get my kind of competence from improving at a skill, mastering a, a skill versus whether I get my competence from winning and outperforming others. And actually what we know is that tennis really conditions us into that outcomes bit um, and getting our, our competence from those areas. And actually, yeah, it's, it's so important then to, to have those more kind of process goals and elements because we know as well, at such fine margins, the outcome doesn't always tell the full story. Um, so, so I think really trying to, break that down and and yeah as, as well that that uncertainty we can't control the, the outcome but what what can I do what what is in my control and what what are some of those kind of challenge elements to, to see what I can do out there rather than worrying about what I can or what if I don't get the outcome um I think yeah and, and equally tennis is a, is a game of errors as well we know right about how many points will finish on an error that's just the statistic that's just the facts isn't it and and rather than and I think you know reflecting on myself and my performances definitely kind of felt like you know I that I shouldn't be making so many mistakes um you know I, I think I, I was a pretty good student so actually you know I, I could control or make less less errors in, in, in that environment of, over time because well the exam paper didn't kind of change and change tactics and move the questions didn't change that it's kind of that evolving context and um, that we have on a tennis court so that's uh, a really useful advice there and I think you know that not I know that people want to win and I know that's it's kind of what you're judged on isn't it and but but bringing into it other elements and it's a bit more complicated to say well today going out you know really go for that first serve and you know if it doesn't work that's okay that's okay you're working on that and 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 when the players then coming off maybe that helps the parent as well to be saying not even get, talking about the win and the loss but oh you, you know you've been working on your first serve you did some brilliant first serves today that was amazing really well done you know is is that the kind of thing that then helps the parent as well yeah, and, and, and yeah, well, I would imagine that, that there is that kind of knock-on effect that they can see those those processes being put into place. And it is like that classic example. I, I often, um, you know, use use the example of it. It would be like, um, you know, your, your kind of process goal would be, you know, approaching the net more often, let's say. Um, and it would almost be like approaching the net, dump the volley in the net and, and you know, parent, coach, whoever's clapping at the sidelines because guess what, you know, my goal was to kind of approach and get in more and I, I've achieved that but but that then that's almost and I think that just to highlight that that outcomes bit isn't it tennis kind of encourages to focus on that last shot rather than maybe all the six or seven good balls that we we played before before that so yeah definitely getting getting into that that process and outcome bit and as well you raised a great point of like actually why do we why, why do we compete well it's kind of actually surely it's about kind of finding out where our game is at and where we can develop. So it's more learning about that and, and where I might need to improve rather than always, you know, ha having the, the outcome and judging myself on, on the outcome bit. And um, we know that that doesn't always tell us a, a huge amount um, about the match. And, but, but naturally it's the first thing that you get, isn't it? It's like, Oh, how did you get on? I've asked that question so many ways. Oh, uh, I lost six, four, six, three, or, or, or one, and they tell you score. I'm like, right, so, okay, t t tell me more, because, you know, you could both have played four out of 10 on that day, or you played yeah. nine out of 10, they played five, or, or, or you both played up at um, sort of the top of your, your level. It's, um, 
trying to get them to kind of break break that down and get to the the underneath bits of the the, the what what happened in the match and yeah did they achieve what they were were trying to as well and you can learn more from, from your losses when I spoke to Yasmin Clark and she went two years I think as a junior without losing a match mm-hmm. and she said honestly I wish I'd lost more you learn more from from the you know in defeat you learn about yourself to go again it, it's such a big point isn't it and and this has to be the the awareness for the parents you know when when I've been to tournaments and you see some some really quite interesting shall we say behavior from parents uh, they that is a massive part from a, a parent education Julie psychologically them understanding that it's not about the winning and the losing yeah, I, th- I, th- I think so. And I think, uh, again, you know, in terms of like um, motivation and, and things, that, that's so I, I tutor on the LTA, the competition parenting workshop, and it's actually a really great introduction for, for parents, any that, yeah, no tennis less or actually no tennis more, but, you know, see all of these things unfold, perhaps. Um, and, and it's great at looking at, I guess, parents' roles around tournaments, but as well, um, you know, the, the, the what and how they might say things the pre during kind of post match and how they kind of communicate that and, and definitely that's something that um you know things can be really well intentioned before a match of kind of oh you you should win that one easy right how or you shouldn't lose to, to them how often do we hear those things not not just from parents of course it can be other players etc but th- those things that kind of focus on on the outcome don't they and and you know let's say I go love two down and mum dad my friend thought that I should win this one easy and then suddenly that's kind of panic station so I think a lot of that language and things is, is around terms so, so I guess helping parents to yeah kind of encourage that that kind of process um mentality because as I say tennis is naturally conditioning us to focus on the the outcomes and the, the kind of ego-oriented stuff but we know that actually if, if players are just focused on that what happens when, yeah, they are going through a, a, a rocky patch in terms of results or maybe they're moving up a, an age group or things that actually they'll really struggle to kind of maintain that that motivation because they're not getting that sense of competence, um, which, which is really quite big for our, our motivation from improving and kind of mastering their, their skills. You raised a really nice point with that, that example from Yaz as well. And um, it made me think of um, Pete Sampras's autobiography, and I think he talked about going from uh, wait two hundred to, to one hander, vice versa. Anyway, um, age like fourteen, and as well, he was like actually at the time I hated it because I had to commit to this new thing, and it wasn't ready yet. <laughs> you know, when is our game ever ready? Um, there's always something, isn't there? But but yeah, feeling like it wasn't you know quite there um or where he wants it to be but actually his coach going right we need to keep committing to this otherwise actually it's not going to be something that that develops and, and improves and, and and gets better over time so so yeah really kind of stuck with that but actually he reflected on that and go actually the value of losing I kind of lost the fear of losing that wasn't really something I wasn't kind of scared to lose anymore it was just part and parcel of the process and I think that sometimes yeah, we want to avoid losing or avoid making errors and, and it kind of stifles our, our improvement in that sense. We see sort of failing or making mistakes as the enemy rather than actually, you know, something that we need to, to go through to, of course, we want to get it right more of the time, but the process in order to do that is that, yeah, we've got to kind of make a, a ton of mistakes and we, we've got to keep going after those improvements in order to, yeah, build, get better and develop our games as well. It's so true. And if you've got players who are working on developing, you know, I don't know, chop a grip on the serve and they're trying to really develop that, then it's not going to be easy. It's going to be times when you double fault loads of times, but it's part of that process, isn't it? And and going again and and, and focusing on the developments on that serve and how many times you are, you know, are getting it in it. It's just, uh, yeah, such a, such an interesting area. And um, can you think, Julie, of any any real good examples of, of where the work you've done has made a real difference to the player or to the coach or to the to the parent? Any, any that spring to mind? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to think that I've contributed to, to some real <laughs> Um Yeah, I mean, for me, so so ultimately the, the client is the agent of change. Like I, I can't do that bit for them. So it's so a more, I guess, my role being sort of facilitating guiding being being an ally through that that process 
um, you know, really helping people to explore what's going on for them and for them to, to feel heard, I think, in, in that as well. Um, I think for, for me, some of the biggest things would be, yeah, kind of like we've had to fear. It can be kind of really pervasive, um, that fear of whether that's of, of, of failing or of not being good enough. I think that that can really get in the way and kind of rob us of some of the joy of our experiences. Dr. Pippa Grange um, is fantastic on, on that. It's another kind of a sports psychologist. Um, she, she brought out kind of a, a book last year and, and has done plenty of kind of podcasting around that. So, so she's a really good um, one, one to go to the, on that. And as well, that, that bit of actually how we maybe try and control things and, and rather than kind of allowing them to, to happen, right? Because we want to kind of control that, that outcome a bit more than we, we can rather than letting it happen and knowing that we've done the hard yards in, in training and then it, that competing bit being going out there and seeing what, what we can do and where our game is at um, as well. So, yeah, I think, and as well, some of the most effective interventions are, are also those at system level. So it doesn't have to, again, be just within that individual. It can be, okay, actually, we know, you know, pressure in the system can kind of bounce around, right? So um, if this pressure coming from uh, the, the management to, to the coach to um, produce players or bring, bring players on to a level, level perhaps, or, or even actually, and um, some of the, the work done on the, the level five, the, the, the master club coach qualification, often getting coaches to think about how, what, what their program communicates. So, so thinking about actually through our social media, you know, what do we praise and um, celebrate you know, what, what does success look like to us and how do we communicate that? Um, so I think even some of those shifts of actually, you know, as a player, me understanding that actually for my coach, it's not about whether I win or lose. And, and that's not what I'll get, you know, again, praised for, or um, that's not what they're looking for. That, that, that actually, yeah, they, they really value, you know, when I put a lot of effort in, when, um, you know, I, I, I'm learning things, they value when, um, yeah, I kind of keep keep fighting, keep going after running after every ball, all, all those sorts of aspects. So I think, um, yeah, again, some of the, those values based things can be really helpful because actually shifts, I guess, not one player's um, thoughts, feelings, behaviors, but it can around kind of the whole program. And I think often you you see that, don't you, in, in terms of a program then doing really well, or all their players all of a sudden kind of. Um, coming through or perhaps not not all of a sudden but um yeah, just, just really thinking about what messages that we're we're sending and how we're sending them again even from those examples of okay right this is the the drill and actually it's about getting the ball in a certain area you know do we always say yeah good well done for getting it in the area or are we praising the fact that yeah got con contact in front because again that's more the process bit and then the outcome of the ball is something a little bit different so so yeah getting getting underneath that um Oh, this is such useful stuff, Gary. It's useful for me as a tennis coach, as a tennis parent. It's also really useful, actually, from a football context because, you know, when you look at, at football teams, and I manage an under-11 football team, and, and so much, even at tender ages, six, seven, uh, so much is focused on the result. You know, did we win? Did we lose? And, and all the areas you've just talked about, the hard work, you know, the persistence, the never giving up, all these things which are so important, yet it comes down to did we win or not, even at that, that such a young age. And I think if you can, you know, as a tennis coach, as a football coach, sorry, you know, it's hard. It's hard to come away from the result because we're all conditioned into that. Um, yet it's so important. And, and I think if we can, where we've managed as a football team to take the emphasis away from the result into what, you, what you've brought, what you've given, it does allow that team to play with a freedom. And I think it's the same in tennis, isn't it? If you can get that fear uh, away from that fear of, of the defeat, you will play with a freedom with more, you're more likely to actually get the result you want. But yeah. 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 And, and, and yeah, I think that that's a really nice phrase for it, isn't it? That kind of playing with that mental freedom um, as well. There's, there's a really nice um, little kind of, anecdote it came from a, another psychologist but almost the story of you know the post-football match you know um player comes in comes in the door sits down at the dinner table dad asks you know um did, did you win 
And the boy goes, no, no, we didn't win. Um, did you score? No. And and they sort of, what was the score? Oh, uh, five, five, three. And, and yeah, they sort of get on with the rest of, of dinner. And, and it's kind of that, again, the, the questions that we're asking, little does he know that the boy has the man of the match trophy in his bag, right? So, so that's all about performance. And it, it gets you thinking in tennis, right? We, we don't really have that idea of like personal best in tennis. And that's something that Alistair Hyam, who we spoke about earlier, is really big on actually, what, what is that? How do I know that I have improved from time point A to two months down the line, time point B? Because it's really difficult because actually in tennis, we only get, and this is why it conditions us to focus on the outcome, we only get the score and my rating, their rating maybe to, to judge the performance on or to use as parameters really, don't we? And yeah, of course, they're both kind of really socially comparative measures. And this is where, you know, to that point, and something you mentioned earlier, Julian, I'm going to do this, is if your goal is, and you've been working on as a coach, is getting more into the net, then actually as a parent, if that's the goal for, for our Stanley in a match, it's regardless of what happens in that match when he comes off. If you've said, if you have got the little bit of data that says, Stanley, you've been working on getting into the net and, you know, you managed that 17 times. That's brilliant, son. Come on put some music on, have some fun, try and you know, cut it there. Because it, it, I think it's a really interesting way then of at least focusing in on that process rather than the result, which will hopefully lead to a freedom that is not concerned in the same way about the result. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think you're, you're spot on. And I think, again, it is just breaking away from some of the, because they're not really that helpful those outcomes you know like I said that the score and the my rating there it doesn't tell us really all that much about what's happened and, and what the tennis was like yeah um, so so I think that yeah that that is quite important and yeah maybe the the parent is is noting that or or, or maybe yeah that's just down to the um player to kind of re report those things in and I think that that it's often that that is often a, a challenge isn't it it's maybe a tension you sometimes see between players and parents of um and, and again it comes from a really well-intentioned place of parent kind of imparting my view of what I saw happen yeah. often getting the players view of what that felt like for them I think it's it's really important isn't it of kind of um you know we've all we've all done the training things or going through a coaching qualification right and you do a little kind of practice session and then comes to feedback and then somebody starts feeding back at you straight away rather than giving you a chance yeah. to reflect and go actually I thought I did that bit well but actually I was aware that that bit so I started check and actually just to to give that bit of information first yes um, so, so I think that that's often something I'll really advocate for for players of kind of your role in, in asking really open questions and getting the, the your son or daughter to, to kind of think and, and there's about the timing of the feedback isn't there you know sometimes yeah. we're not ready to to talk about it but when we are to just be really curious about what that felt like or what 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 happened there when um you know you you were getting frustrated or upset about about that type thing and then offering maybe what what they saw as their version of events from the sideline kind of second to that um because I think otherwise we get to that place where player feels that actually no that wasn't what happened for me or they don't they don't get it or they don't understand in some way which is yeah we know that that's quite typical of kind of adolescent brain development anyway to kind of feel like people don't don't kind of get what I'm I'm going through um, and so so time and space and by the way we'll make sure we put the link in for this the LTA parenting support sort of course because I've not actually done it I but I've heard really positive things about it I think it's really important and and so I, you know I've learned on the job here actually time and space for the player coming off the court is the important thing isn't it not trying to be getting into discussions about it just being a parent yeah yeah and I think it's just even having conversations isn't it about like how, how do you want me to be around tournaments you know not that um that the kids always get to rule the roost right but just actually opening up a bit of a dialogue around um you know I like it when when you do this or it's helpful when um as opposed to yeah actually I find it quite quite challenging when I, I maybe look up and I see that that head in the hands or, or, yeah. or yeah maybe because I guess it again comes from a good place so they're kind of living it with you um but, but yeah, just, I guess, opening up that, that dialogue of, 
that, yeah, and, and maybe when it's helpful to debrief, because that's the bit that we, we get into is, again, we think it's normal in tennis that coaches don't watch that many matches, but parents do. That's not normal. <laughs> in, you know, in, in most of the sports, the coach sees players compete. Um, and in junior domestic competition, that, that it's not often the case, is it? Just as a norm. So one big big empathy with the parents to, to kind of watch and, and try and make sense of some of what's what's happening um but but to actually just yeah to, to be able to feedback something that's useful to the the coach as well um following that so so yeah they've got quite a, a tricky role uh, in that sense um and, it, and yeah yeah just to, to help players kind of interpret that that what happened bit isn't it in, in the absence of of a coach often being there mm. So true. And uh, I mean, I've found this so helpful today. If there's tennis parents, you know, who are, who are out there and, and kind of thinking either I, I would love some support with this. My player would love some support with this on that sort of ongoing basis is, you know, if people want to find a, a sports psychologist, I mean, do you, do you work with clients across the country? Is there a source where people should be looking for a sports psychologist to help? Yeah, so um, yeah, absolutely. A lot, lot of us would do online um, consultations. Um, I think so. So thinking about directories and things, places to to look. Um, there's a couple of places. So one being um, there's a sort of directory, if you like, and that covers different sort of um, support professionals around sport, if you like, uh, called Sporting Balance. So so they list um, a number of uh, psychologists. Um, kind of sport specific um, I, I guess yeah even having a look on, on Google maybe within your, your area I think as well while we can do online stuff sometimes is that preference for for face-to-face or actually yeah to be able to, to come and observe and, and watch some competition as well can be quite quite useful um, so there's a couple of things to, to look for um, and, and I think actually important because psychology as a, as a profession has maybe been given a bit of a bad rap by people who are unqualified I think there's definitely been some players with ha- having had some negative experiences over the years which um yeah it, it is a real shame but um and, and while of course they might be able to off- offer something I think it's, it's good to kind of look um at that those routes where there has been that rigorous training and, and yeah it probably takes about seven years to, to qualify um so so things to look for would be um, HUPC registration, so Health and Care Professions Council registration, or, or working towards that on either the British Psychological Society uh, Stage Two pathway, which is kind of the, the training pathway that you go on to become a chartered um, psychologist, um, or going through the the bases route. So the British Association of Sport and Exercise Sciences run a, a sport and exercise psychology accreditation route called CPAR. Um, so, so people are either training up through BPS or bases and, and have those kind of chartships and, and registrations um, with those those sort of regulatory bodies, if you like, you know, the same as you'd look for a tennis coach that's um, LTA accredited or PTR or, or uh, so forth um, as well. So, so those would be the kind of uh, bodies within our, our discipline and things to, to kind of look out for, definitely. Brilliant. Well, thank you. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, looking for the ones who are, who are put in the, the work, just like in tennis coaching, got the qualifications. That makes perfect sense. So, so thank you, Julian. We'll be sure to, um, to put in a link to your website as well, because I know that the, 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 the testimonials on there tell their own story. So, uh, yeah, people must have a look, look at that. Now, a couple of questions we do ask everyone to finish. Um, if you were put in charge of world tennis and you could launch one initiative or make one change, what would it be and why? Yeah, it's a really hard question. I don't know if I've got anything concrete for you. I think we, we've talked a lot about outcomes today, haven't we? And so, yeah, whether there's something to kind of, uh, yeah, have less focus on the outcome stuff for, for younger players, that, that ability to kind of let them play and have lots of lots of events, lots of matches, Um in that sense, you know, all, all the kind of grassroots initiatives of kind of being able to op- open tennis up and um, engage more people in our sport from, from the beginning. I think, you know, we still see there being some barriers to participation um, and yeah, kind of picking up a racket and getting on a court. So anything that kind of 
removes those or kind of paves paves the way to, to grow the game. Um, I think you know Judy again would be fantastic in terms of some of her initiatives. So so yeah, th those would be some of the the things I think I'd yeah love to, to see. And and I, and I guess you know and it's tricky for you to say it, but I, I haven't seen the benefits and understood you know and just just learning today, but getting psychology on on the table on an ongoing basis for juniors for parents for coaches just understand it because everybody knows it's a massive part of our game but it deserves to be at that top table on an ongoing basis and if there's a if there's an action that i'm going to take out of it in the little world that i live in it's it's to make sure that it is on the table you know so i'll have a chat with our guys at derbyshire and you know at our club and and see if it isn't something that we can try and get going a little bit of, of, of getting the players, et cetera, the parents, the coaches, that support. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and like you've highlighted, it's just, um, you know, are we kind of effectively preparing players for the psychological demands of the game? That's kind of the question that I'd always come back to around, you know, helping them to often refer to like practicing pressure, if you like, you know, putting putting in place some of those things, you know, the same way that, we would expose that, you know, the same way that you kind of break down a, a, a drill, isolate a, a skill and then kind of build it back up into more open play. And yeah, can, can they transfer those skills when there's a little bit more on it, when there's something to be won or lost, they get kind of used to that. Um, and, and yeah, putting into place some of those strategies, things that they've they've talked about as well, perhaps. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for, for your time today. One more to finish, Julie. Um, if you could go for a drink with anybody alive or dead, who would it be and why? Interesting answer. I feel like for me, it would have to be like an ancestor. I feel like that for me would be as as interesting and if not more so than, than a celebrity or a um, particular personality. I think just understanding a bit more about where you've come from you know someone that in your in your family perhaps going back a generation two three four that you maybe never got to to meet um so yeah i think it would be have to be an ancestor on on that front it's such a good answer and just like the rest of our chat such a thought-provoking answer sports psychology is an area i know so many people find fascinating and as we've said, let's just really hope it gets the position at the top table it deserves on an ongoing basis on all sorts of levels, from grassroots all the way up. A massive thank you to our guest today, Julie Blackwood. We'll look forward to welcoming you to another edition of My Tennis Journey soon.